Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the films Billy Madison and Punch Drunk Love. You don't have to have seen the films to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen the films, just be aware that we may discuss the plots and we may spoil them for you. Enjoy. San Loon. It is San Loon. It's a double episode in San Loon. Blue Sand Loon, you left me standing alone. <laughs> that was me. Did you just you just come up with that right now? I did. I thought, what rhymes with Sand Loon? Moon. <laughs> That's the thing about Sand Loon. Nothing rhymes with Sand Loon. It's one of those difficult words. <laughs> like orange. Yeah. Adam Sandler is also kind of like an orange, isn't he? Covered in skin. Yep. <laughs> Juicy. <laughs> Juicy. Uh, you've got to be careful about Adam Sandler seeds, which are always a, a problem. Yeah, that's true. If you find one, just yeah, you've got to nip it in the bud, haven't you? Of course, Otherwise, if you... another another Mister Deeds or Big Daddy gets made. <laughs> I've actually not seen either of those. I've seen Big Daddy. I think, yeah. Um, and... Was this around the time it came out? Yeah, I don't think it was soon after it came out. Um, of course, if you combined Adam Sandler with an orange you'd probably get the annoying orange do you oh, remember God. the annoying orange yes and no see the thing is it's something that sometimes it appears on social media or it's there on youtube or i've sort of clicked over it and gone what the hell is that this has like ninety-seven hundred thousand million trillion views <laughs> i'm not going to click on that because it will make me depressed well it it started as a stupid youtube series didn't it <laughs> and the rest was history and the story of our age and this sort of, I think it started around the same time when the most stupid stuff was appearing on YouTube and suddenly getting loads of views. I think the end of the 2000s, beginning of the 2010s. Truly a um, golden age for online content. Before everything became consumed <laughs> by hate and trolling, it was all Charlie bit my finger and I'm sitting on the toilet. You know, it was really, <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. It was a simpler time. Big Booty Bitches was oh, king. That is a tune. And and there was not a hint of fascism on YouTube. No, Facebook the guy's taking was... off his shirts. He's about to make these rifles burst. <laughs> you know that one? I do. I do. <laughs> Love that guy. Um, but yeah. Um, <laughs> how, how, oh yeah, Adam Sandler is the annoying orange. And he looks very orange in the movie Billy Madison, doesn't he? He actually kind of does, yeah. Like yeah. he could be one of these the only way as Essex people. Yeah. So you'd seen you'd seen Billy Madison before. Yeah, Billy Madison. So yeah, to explain we're doing a double episode because we didn't do an episode last week because of technical issues that were ongoing. I your internet provider sucks. Yeah, so, clearly there was some kind of hardware problem with my internet, which has been resolved now, but was a problem last week. Yeah. Um, so are is, we going to do yeah, like a diss track great. for them? Talk, talk. You talk the talk. You don't walk the walk. Sky, you better fly away from me before I kick you. 
<laughs> yeah, sky more like sea, which you can <laughs> get in. Oh, I'm with, I'm with sky as well as it happens. Sky are fine normally. I think it was a hardware problem rather than their service. So I don't mind them too much, and they were quick when we sent when we asked for someone. So this this episode brought to you by Sky Broadband. Yeah, please not give great, us money off that thing because we have to pay. Give us money. <laughs> yeah, give us money off because we have to pay every bloody month. <laughs> and you still make us have a landline phone, you stupid pricks. Oh yeah, gotta love having a landline phone. Uh, to be fair, the only person who calls me on that is my great uncle Frank and a bunch of scammers. So if it ever rings, it's like one in ten chance it's going to be the Uncle Frank, or it's going to be a scammer. It's going <laughs> to be a pretty like a Nigerian good, prince. That's a pretty good roulette, actually. Yeah. Um. <laughs> anyway, right. So Billy Madison, yeah, you had seen. Yeah, so first film's Billy Madison. We're also going to be talking about Punch Drunk Love later. So in the, the Sand Loon month, we began with Fifty First Dates, which was the, supposed to be our sort of nice intro as a sort of an Adam Sandler film that's in our wheelhouse because it's quite, quite romantic and sort of fun. And then we have Billy Madison, which is the, the I'm using air quotes here, the classic one. And then Punch <laughs> Drunk Love is the, the supposed to be kind of good one. And then we've got the rubbish one for next week, which we'll, 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 we'll talk, talk about at the end of the episode. So starting with Billy Madison, this is the, the classic one. In as much as it's an older one, it's early on in his career, and one of the ones that helped to get him to <clears throat> the point of where he is today. But also classic in as much as it's classic Sandler in that it is really stupid and crude. And all of the things where people go, oh, I hate that guy. He's just this. That's exactly, this is exactly <laughs> the film that completely proves everything that those people say. So, you know, when you know that a film like Billy Madison exists, you know, there is no defending Adam Sandler, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And this was, this was the first big movie where he was the lead, wasn't, wasn't it? Yeah. He'd, um, he'd done know, like he'd small in... things. Yeah, yeah, he'd been in been in bits and pieces. He was in um, Coneheads, um, if you remember that. I don't that think one I've ever there. seen it. I'm aware of it. It's impossible not to be aware of Coneheads because you know, once that's you've seen the poster, the... it's going to replace the whale in your nightmares. But <laughs> well, yeah. exactly, um, which is I, that's one of the lesser movies based on a um, Saturday Night Live sketch, isn't it? Coneheads, right? Um, where it, it gets forgotten about alongside things like Wayne's World and, and Blues Brothers, SNL, um, which is now just a vehicle for Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey. You know what's funny? Unions. They're rubbish. You should not join a union. This is a message from Elon Musk. Um, <laughs> he's, he's wearing a leather jacket and he's smoking weed, so we know he's down with us and he's cool. He's he's definitely cool and relatable, this billionaire. Um, billionaires are just like you and I. We should be nice to them and not take their money in taxes to benefit everybody. We should let them hoard wealth like a dragon. They love painfully overdone sketches just as much as you and me. <laughs> um, so so before this, he'd been in a few things. Um, and I was interested to see what he'd been in. And there's one that I really want to watch called Airheads, which I don't know if you've ever seen this. Yeah, this but is it's, like a rock drama, isn't it? Yeah, like a rock, a rock, rock comedy. comedy. Yeah. Um, with Brendan Fraser, Steve Buscemi and Adam Sandler as the three leads. I have not seen this. It and I'm just great. thinking, why have I not watched this film? It looks amazing. Judd Nelson's um, in it. It's got Chris Farley in it as well. Um, Ernie Hudson. So I might have to dig this out from somewhere and watch it. But yeah, um, Billy Madison was his first big break. And you're right that it 
it does everything that you'd expect an Adam Sandler movie to do. Apart from, I suppose, the tone is kind of more akin to like a stoner comedy i guess yeah it's got um, it's got some surreal moments hasn't it and like really yeah. stupid lines where you know that if you're if you're high you're going to be laughing at that for 10 hours and it's also much slower paced than what his career turns into even even in comparison to to relative highlights like um grown-ups too <laughs> like like 50 first dates or um little nicky for instance um or the wedding singer um which all which all have a sort of more cohesive structure and tone when you think of the bad sandler you think of those real breakneck speed somebody shits themselves he says a swear word or or a racial slur yeah everybody laughs um and he shouts a lot and and he does a funny voice and he does a funny voice. And and some of those traits you can see here in Billy Madison, but it has a slightly, it's not under full Sandler control yet, I guess. No, I um, think he was involved in the writing of the film, but it yeah. was obviously, yeah. And maybe, you know, it's to do with the time as well. I feel like towards the end of the 90s, this is 1995, like towards the end of the 90s and into the 2000s, that's when those kind of movies were peaking, right? When you had stuff like Road Trip and Euro Trip and whatever. And is it you know and 95 so they're making this probably 94 95 it's like there's still the tail end of the 80s there there's probably like the stoner angle is probably a bit more popular and like kind of you're coming out the tail end of that so perhaps it's it's a little bit of its time as well but yeah it's, yeah, it's pre yeah. it's before he goes full sandler it's like the the second to last boss in the sandler <laughs> video game exactly it's dracula's um, first form and speaking Castlevania metaphor. Speaking of video games, this came out the same year as Mortal Kombat, the greatest video game movie. Really? Yeah. Um, I thought but, that was way earlier. <laughs> no, no, that was that was 1995. But yeah, looking at other movies that came out this year, you've got Clueless. Um, not not looking at movies that fall outside of the comedy spectrum here, but no. Clueless came out uh, the same year. Um, you also had um, Friday, the Ice Cube comedy. I've not seen that. Um, which is a, a kind of iconic movie as well. Um, you have to, Before Sunrise as well, which oh, wow. we talked about previously. That was 1995. Um, so it's it's an interesting year. Um, and, and you're right that it's kind of this transitional year where you've got, you've got movies like that. You've got um, Empire Records as well. Mm, I've not um, seen that. That looks really good. And again, so it's been on my list of things to see for a while. Um, but then you've, yeah, th- this is kind of bridging that gap between like the 80s farcical comedies and like the, the early 90s farcical comedies into that kind of stoner jock comedy that came to dominate the genre um, towards the end of the decade. And it kind of fits in that middle ground. And obviously it's it's cementing what Adam Sandler does, but it hasn't quite fully defined what an Adam Sandler experience is, I suppose. So you've got those traits like him irrationally shouting for no reason and being angry, yeah, um, which basically happens in every single one of his movies. Um, you've got the silly Even voices. Even the good one, which we'll come on to. Yeah. You've got the silly voices. You've got the um, misogyny as well. Yeah. Um, and this hint of cruelty which I think runs through a lot of his films. 
Um, the, the good ones generally avoid it or tone it down quite a lot, but there's this little hint of cruelty and, and being a sociopath almost, um, which again is, is played up for laughs. Yeah. Well, they're um, putting a flaming bag of dog poo on an old man's doorstep for no reason. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. they find that he goes, here's a nice piece of shit. <laughs> That's the level of comedy in this film. But when yeah. I was 14, that was hilarious. And yeah, that's this the is thing about this. Like, this... I was very disappointed watching this film because it made me realize I was a fucking idiot when I was like 14 <laughs> or whatever. When I watched this film and I found it funny, like, even for that age, I feel like I was very stupid. I'm a different person now, obviously. I'm a <laughs> no, father, I'm an old man, but yeah, it made me feel bad about myself watching this film again. <laughs> it's, um, and even. I don't want to brag, but even as a kid, I would probably have raised an eyebrow at this. Like, I liked some incredibly stupid stuff when I was younger. Road trip, forget about it. I was forget never fully about on... it. <laughs> I was I was never fully on board with American Pie. I might add. Oh, really? Um, I can't believe yeah, we haven't talked about I thought, that. Film. I always felt that was a bit too crude and stupid. Oh, um, but it's got Eugene Levy in it. The it dad. does. It does. Um, but road trip, I think maybe primarily because of Tom Green's character in it. Um, yeah, I found really funny <laughs> when I was younger. Um, and maybe it's because it goes that step further. Whereas here, um, it's hard to tell when you're supposed to appreciate the horror of what a bad human being Billy Madison is. And when you're supposed to be rooting for him and yeah, it can't quite decide which direction it wants to go in. Like, are you in the corner of meritocracy and not wanting this complete fuck up to run a company and lead to thousands of people losing their jobs? Um, or are you in the corner of plucky idiot doesn't want to make his dad unhappy? Yeah. And it, it kind it's of tones that line between. The t- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Nathan Barley, but without any thought put into it yeah. and just going with the flow. The idiots um, are having more fun. Ergo, you'd actually rather be the idiots than Dan Ashcroft. <laughs> exactly exactly in this case Um, you'd rather be billy madison than that actor whose name i can't remember who looks like sting bradley whitford that's the one um who i love he's great he is his performance in this is absolutely spot on as the comedy villain villain he has that little weaselly laugh yep he has this little weaselly laugh everything he says is pretty accurate in terms of don't let this fucking amateur idiot ruin your company um I'd love it if there was a little epilogue to this movie where the whole company goes bankrupt and yeah. Madison goes, well, I'm going back to hanging out by the pool as you just see all these people walk out having lost their jobs. Yeah, um, the hotels literally, they're like all being demolished at once. <laughs> yeah. and I he's shouldn't like have signed that paper when I was drunk. Yeah, he's like eating a burger, smoking a joint and jacking off probably. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, so... This was my first experience watching this movie. I'd never seen it before. Ah, okay. I did not like it within the first, like, two minutes of, of it being on. Um, Despite think... the fact that the music, I'd like to point out, was by Randy Edelman, who also did Beethoven. Ah, very good. If you couldn't very tell, good. it's like, that's why so many of these kind of mid-90s comedies have that kind of feel is because of his music. And I feel even though this film is a bit of a stinker, his music elevates it somewhat because it has that perfect 90s comedy feel 
Um, yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I think the the movie is uh, the movie soundtrack is much more wholesome than the rest of it, um, because within minutes you've got a drunk Billy Madison getting into a golf cart, driving around and ruining people's days whilst going porno mags yeah. and just shouting nudie mags over and over again, and then looking at some pornography. You know what's funny? Pornography. Pornography is funny. <laughs> if the nineties taught us nothing else, it's that pornography is funny. Boobs are funny. <laughs> boobs are funny um and there is no bigger boob than billy madison who is a boob um now there are there are moments of this film that i did enjoy um i think i said to you in a text it's a cruel idiot's version of kindergarten cop (laughs) yes Um, you did yeah but you get this film it's a shame that we can't really shoehorn into this podcast we can there's romance in it i suppose there is yeah we can talk about Kindergarten Cop. And I uh, disclaimer for the audience, I love Kindergarten Cop. It's one of my yeah, favourite Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, I'd say. I'd put it up there with all of his big, dumb action movies as something that's just supremely enjoyable to watch. Every and time I drop Eric off at nursery, I hope he has a day like that film. <laughs> put that cookie down. Um, <laughs> and so... Um, oh, they should. Or maybe they shouldn't, because then they can shout, put that cookie down if he yeah. ever gets one. It would be, um, put that hummus down, probably. Put that hummus down, <laughs> put that carrot down. <laughs> um, but then, uh, yeah, they've both got a similar kind of thing where it's an adult fish out of water going into this school situation um, where they realise that actually it's not as easy as it's going to be. And Yeah, but I feel like that side, of, everyone thinks that that's what this film is about, but that's only probably the screen time of him in school being it being funny that he's an adult in school only takes up about 15 minutes of the film because the rest of it is um, the guy who looks like Sting laughing and then them stepping in some dog shit and then him being a misogynist towards Bridget Wilson and then some other dumb shit and then the guy who looks like the guy from Jurassic Park but isn't the guy from Jurassic Park being a wrestler. It's actually it's a lot more peripheral stuff than the thing that is the actual joke in the film. So I feel like the main joke of it isn't really used to full effect. No, you're completely right, because the movie works best when he's in the class being a scumbag around these kids. Yeah. And then it's actually quite enjoyable to watch. It's like, here's one of the worst human beings in the world being put into an environment where he can influence kids. And I really love that even the sweetest, nicest thing he does is going to wreck these kids' lives for a long time, which is... Pretending to pee his pants. (laughs) Yes. One of of his friends um, accidentally pees his pants on a school trip and... Billy Madison's like, okay, I'm going to help you out of this. And he splashes water on his crotch. And you think, you, I was thinking, oh, okay, so he's going to pretend that he's weed himself and that's going to take the sting out of his friend. Um, but instead he goes, all the cool kids piss their pants when they're my age. <laughs> and so the next scene is all of these kids waiting for the bus just with piss street trousers. <laughs> and like these kids are going to go into the next, and, until they meet someone who's not in their age group and wasn't part of this trip, they're going to go into this thinking, yeah, cool people piss their pants. How long is this going to go on for? Until they realize, wait, I should not be pissing my pants. It's very good of you to think of the children. I always think of the children. You know, oh, won't somebody think of the children? I honestly didn't think, think that. I was just like, "That's he did a nice thing, and now the the nice lady likes him." But in reality, those kids are all going to get bullied, yeah, <laughs> because they've all peed themselves on a trip. Um, and it's yeah, it's at the very least, it's going to ruin their trousers. Um, but uh, but yeah, even when he's nice, he's doing something that's going to 
fuck up these kids in some way. And and that's that side of it I thought was very funny. Um, not so much when he's bullying a kid with a stammer. Yeah. Um, today, Junior. That's not very. We used we used to say that in school. It's so bad. Like if someone was ever struggling in class to get that out, we'd all say that, and everyone would laugh. Fucking horrible. School school is horrible. School is cruel. School is bad. I um, always undergo to school, <laughs> but equally, I don't want to homeschool him either. So, what's the guy to do? If you homeschool him, though, you can mold him in your image. That's true. Entirely. I can make him exactly like me, <laughs> which I want. I want. I want a little mini Paddy running around. Um, just put a fake beard on him. Um, he likes but, to pull my beard. Actually, I think he'd enjoy oh, that. There we go. Give him a fake beard. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, and those moments work really well. And then when he goes to high school and realizes that actually he's a he's a dork for for these young people, that also is very good. O'Doyle rules, yeah. And honestly, um, I think perhaps the funniest moment for me is that yeah, throughout every grade, there's always a kid who like pushes him over or punches him. Who's part of the O'Doyle family? It says O'Doyle rules. And then he says, I've got a feeling your whole family's going down, O'Doyle. But now I've got something else to do. And then later on, it's a car full of all the O'Doyles and it slips on a banana skin and falls off a cliff and explodes and they all die. Yeah. And that and that's really, really funny as well. I, you that's know, like I when that kind of stoner comedy is at its best, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And and so there's these two factions in this movie that work well. You've got the, the stoner non sequiturs, which work well. And then you've got the more cohesive idiot man child goes back to school which works well but like you said there's all of this weird filler which is adam sandler shouts a lot he gets drunk and puts on a silly voice he's misogynistic here's a a wrestler who wants to have sex with him here's a penguin running around um and all of that stuff is just garbage (laughs) Yeah, like, you're just waiting for it to get on to something else, and, and a lot like, of it—it's is... not even ninety minutes. This film it barely even scrapes that, and it still somehow feels really long because of all the stupid filler. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so, um, talking about Bridget Wilson, um, she plays Veronica Vaughan, which is the love interest. It's a love interest which is resolved about a th- uh, halfway through the film, and then yeah. she's like his girlfriend for the rest of it. Kind um, of, which yeah, again... but then the, she's just kind of there. Yeah, yeah, she's she's his teacher and his girlfriend at the same time, which is a very weird dynamic. They don't um, really explore the romance much. No, no, they don't. They just they just kiss and clearly have sex. But interestingly enough, this was a big year for her because she was also in the Mortal Kombat movie. Ah. Um she played Sonya Blade in Mortal Kombat in 1995. Wow. Um which is a, a vastly cool. superior movie. I don't think I've ever seen it. Oh, we should. Well, no, there's no way we can shoehorn in Mortal Kombat into this podcast, but we should watch it at some point anyway. It's a it's a fun film. Um, but yeah, the the romantic element of this movie is is almost non-existent. You know, they get together and they 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 stay together at the end. Oh, that was directed happy. by Paul W. S. Anderson. Sorry, it was indeed. <laughs> we will come on to when we get to talking about Punch Drunk Love, obviously. <laughs> Yes, Which we will. Paul Anderson is better. <laughs> we will have this discussion, and the answer may shock you. Um, but uh, but yeah, her character is is very much a, and this is another archetype of the later Adam Sandler movies, which is the girlfriend as your mother, in that she looks yeah. after him, she takes care of him, she teaches him, but then also he likes looking at her boobs. 
Um, and this is a weird, it's a weird dynamic, which, which follows through in a lot of Adam Sandler movies, like the, the, um, what are they called? The grownups films as well. Yeah. Um, where it's, we're a bunch of men off having adventures. Um, and then the women boys roll their eyes. Boys, I.e. <laughs> <Yeah>. stupid. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so that's all, um, that's all very awkward to watch today. Um, that whole thing. And, and it is like this little prototype of what, the love interest in an Adam Sandler movie is going to be going forwards. Yes. And that's in, in the worst possible way. Yeah. 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 In the worst possible way. Um, aside from that, there's, I, I don't want to be overall mean. I really love Steve Buscemi coming up and uh, at the end and as a sniper. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, that He's the initial scene, the initial scene where it's, where he where Adam Sandler calls him up and apologizes for being mean to him at high school, and then you see Steve Buscemi cross Billy Madison off his list of people to kill. Extremely funny. Um, I want more movies to end like that with Steve Buscemi just sniping someone, yeah, and then giving a thumbs up to the hero. Um, imagine um, we could shoot on that into Wizard Cop, couldn't we? <laughs> You could. Or imagine um, Punch Drunk Love, for instance. Let's do an Adam Sandler crossover here. Punch Drunk Love, he's he's squaring up to Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman just gets shot in the head and the camera pounds to, pans to Steve Buscemi, who just gives a thumbs up to Adam Sandler and walks off. Yeah, well, the score of the film continues with the same music that sounds like someone's banging on a tin bin in the background <laughs> for hours. I cannot wait to hear you talk more about the terrible music in Punch Drunk Love. Um, but we'll is there anything that. else? Is there anything else you want to talk about with uh, with old Billy Madison? Um, just the um, the guy who looks like the guy from Jurassic Park, but isn't the guy from Jurassic Park, does a great job. Uh, it's un- unfair to call him that, but I, there's a, a comparison that a lot of people have made. I feel like it's not just me but as the the teacher slash wrestler i think he is very funny yeah yeah no i'd um i'd agree i think he's really good and um, he also plays king herod in the film of jesus christ superstar and he's outstanding in that as well oh really oh yeah. that's cool i don't know if i've ever seen that oh it's great it's really like um 80s and wild it's like a long one long kind of 80s music video it's great Oh, very good. Made in the seventies, maybe, but it looks like it's from the eighties. Um, I want to give a shout out to Chris Farley, um, the OG Shrek, along with being very funny and lots of other stuff, as being a horrible bus driver. Yeah, and 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 that's the kind of nihilism that sometimes works in this movie and sometimes doesn't. And him being this truly horrible um, bus driver, um, I think works very well, and he's very funny in in the the rare scenes that he's in um which is which is great as well yeah Um, and he's so horrible that he makes adam sandler look like a normal nice guy (laughs) yes which is obviously the idea and yeah that's the point is you're supposed he's uh and then adam sandler realizes oh wait um maybe i am being awful um and like the mixture of that and obviously the bus driver truly being a terrible human being brings up the sympathy for billy madison a bit more um, does it bring it all the way up? No, because he's still awful and he doesn't learn anything. Um, no. but, but at least it's something. Um, in, in terms of other bits, I like, 
and you know it's one of those iconic lines that even i'd heard before i watched this movie where um the principal turns around at the quiz at the end and says what you've said is one of the most insanely idiotic things i've ever heard at no point in your rambling incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it i award you no points and may god have mercy on your soul extremely funny so it's the perfect assessment of adam sandler isn't it (laughs) yes exactly he never moved on from that from that criticism of this movie um yeah that was very good (laughs) yeah which is very funny but in general i there's not much from this film that i'm going to remember um not in the same way that you remember things from the wedding singer or from 51st dates um no because most of them were said in his stupid like put on child voice for no reason (laughs) yeah so you can't even tell what he's saying um anyway um (laughs) which is which is yeah so it's it's a mixed bag i didn't hate it but it is not going to remain with me it's not good it's it's of its time but it's also yeah there are things in it that are very unsavory some there's a lot of misogyny throughout it isn't there a lot of sexism and stuff that really is not nice to watch exactly exactly and it could be worse um it's not a rob schneider film rob schneider's (laughs) not in it we'll 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 give you that No, he's not in it um which i think is a bit of a shame that we've had two movies back to back now between this and Punch Drunk Love, where there's no Rob Schneider, I know. Yeah, it's uh, it's well, strange. Surely the rubbish one's going to have. You know, uh, it's got to be surely. It? It's got to be surely. I'm going to um, check that just to be sure. <laughs> so, here's a few responses to uh, this uh, this uh, movie from from critics. So Roger Ebert said of Sandler. Um, not an attractive screen presence. He might have a career as a villain or as a fool guy or the butt of a joke, but as the protagonist, his problem is that he recreates the fingernails on the chalkboard syndrome. Uh, Gene Siskel added, you don't have a good motivation for the character's behavior, which is entirely true and one of the big problems of this film. Um, uh, You're not at any point given any reason to believe that he actually wants to take over as the CEO of Madison Hotels. No, no, exactly. Um, uh, Owen Gleiberman also panned the film saying by the end you feel like a drill sergeant you want to wipe that stupid grin off Sandler's face (laughs) Um, which yeah it's it's like a it's a crueler version of movies like Dumb and Dumber where you're meant to root for a character who's not just stupid but is also cruel and that's the problem here is that it's similarly loaded with toilet humor yes yeah but at least in films like dumb and dumber you're rooting for them because the world is stacked against them um and they have this naivety and this honorable mission that they're going on whereas with billy madison it's him trying to have nepotism yeah (laughs) <laughs> that's that's the end goal of this film isn't it um, and bad news rob schneider isn't even in the bad one we've oh managed no. to choose only one how? out of four was rob schneider in it how have we ended up with this this is outrageous we might, we might um, have to put this right by doing juice bigelow <laughs> everyone will do that immediately afterwards so. yeah um so so yeah so billy madison not particularly liked by critics loved by audiences it made a decent amount of money um doubled its budget and more um and started off the career of uh of this adam sandler man 
Adam Sandler man. Yeah. Enter Sandler man. The worst superhero. Um, But then, you know, after this, you know, he had a string of of other successful stupid movies. So you've got uh, Billy Madison, then Happy Gilmore, where he plays golf and shouts. Um, You've got The Wedding Singer, where he (laughs) sings and shouts. The Waterboy, where he does sports and shouts. Big Daddy, where he's a daddy and he shouts. Um, Little Nicky, where he's related to the devil and he shouts. And then we get, I'm a smart, intelligent drama man and I shout. Yeah, I'm wearing a blue suit, but I still shout. Don't worry. You can't see me because I'm in a silhouette for half of the film, but I still shout. (laughs) So, should we you, rate Billy Madison first? Yeah, should we? Shall we, shall we? Shall we? Shall we? Yeah, let's let's rate Billy Madison now. Um, um, so how how many beer cans are floating in your swimming pool? Twenty. <laughs> um, let's say there are seven cans floating out of, out of a possible twenty. You know, it's not good, but I think. There's there's a few little nuggets of fun in there, but I'd only watch this if you're genuinely if you haven't seen it before. If you if you've seen it before and you enjoy the nostalgia trip because you liked it as a teen like me, then that's a good reason to revisit it. I think if not, probably don't watch it unless you want to truly understand Adam Sandler because this is the proto prototypical Adam Sandler film. So it's worth you know sandlists as those of us who study Adam Sandler are known, will want to watch this for completion <laughs> reasons. But other than that, if you're just a casual a casual Sandler fan, then I'd, I'd probably avoid it. Yeah, I'm going to give it a six, I think. Just go one lower. It's got its moments, but it's still a horrible, cruel film. Um, I did not get anything out of watching it, <laughs> um, as somebody who'd never seen it before, and is a fair weather Sandler fan. So, as like, Adam Sandler says in the film, here's a nice piece of shit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so, yeah, watch it if you're intrigued. But music's if good. Yeah, if you if you've not seen it, then then don't really bother unless you're very interested in giving it a go. Um, but speaking of good music, let's talk about a film with terrible music. <laughs> Uh, Punch Drunk Love. It wasn't all terrible, but I'd say probably 60% of the time the score was really irritating. Yeah. It sounded like, you know, Radiohead cast-offs. It sounded like <laughs> what Tom York gets up to at 3am when he's left alone with some bins, you know. It's... It it reminded me of the every so often we watch a movie for this podcast and you despise the music so much that it kind of ruins it for you. Yeah. And it wasn't that bad, but it did no. irritate me a lot of the time. And and watching this, it made me think this must be what Paddy feels like when we're watching a movie <laughs> and the soundtrack really gets to him. Because I, I despise the soundtrack to this movie. And overall, I know people like this film. I know they love it. And they're like, oh, this is such a great movie. I didn't like it very much. No, I didn't. I didn't really like it that much either. I think it got a bit better as it went on, and there are things to like about it. Um, I thought it was very interesting and very different and very Paul Thomas Anderson, which we'll get on to. But yeah, overall, I don't think I could reasonably say that I liked it. I certainly won't be watching it again. But the score, did you not like it when it was sort of doing the moments that were supposed to be, hey, this is a romantic moment and this is a thing that we in life think is supposed to be really romantic. So we're going to cleverly have some sort of classic movie romance type music thrown in there rather than the 
plinky plonky bin music did you not appreciate that as a cinem- cinematic gesture yeah it was fine it made me think that they watched amelie the year before and decided <laughs> to do something a bit like that you know what as well i don't like amelie you don't like Amelie? It's not just because it's French. I just, I just don't like it. <laughs> That's mainly why you don't like it. I love Amelie. I really love that film. Oh, you're going to um, choose it next, aren't you? Well, I'm going to choose Sandler. it at some point now. You've made me sit through four Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> I'm going to make you watch Amelie at some point. I really I really like... Sorry, this is a bit of a tangent. I haven't seen it like, in a good um, 10 years, though, so maybe my opinion will change. Yeah, maybe. It's a lot naughtier than you remember it being. Um, uh, I, I really like the work of uh, Jean-Pierre Genet in general. Um, he did uh, the most underrated Alien movie in Alien Resurrection, um, which gets very unfair criticism. It's a really stupid film. I don't think I've seen it. It's the one where Ripley gets brought back as a clone in the far future. Yeah, I don't remember any clone a robot. I think I've only it's... seen Alien and Aliens. Oh, okay. But Alien would be in my top 10, if not top five films of all time. Yeah, Alien is is phenomenal. It's I really so like good. Aliens as well. I think that's a great action horror film. Um, and then they go off the pod a bit after that point. But I, there's something odd about Alien Resurrection that I enjoy. And um, he did. He's done lots of strange films over the years. You know, he did Delicatessen, uh, oh, The yes. City of Lost Children as well. Um, so he he's an interesting director who doesn't do stuff very often. Um, but uh, but yeah, Amelie, I'm a fan of. So at some point, I will sit you down and we can watch Amelie. But yeah. Punch Drunk Love, I'd never seen it before. I've watched other Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Um, and as I said before <laughs> to you, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson movies made me go, oh, that was really clever. Now I'm never going to watch it again. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever rewatched a Paul Thomas Anderson film. And I said I hated how accurate that was. I think I've seen <laughs> There Will Be Blood more than once, but that's a bit of an anomaly in his career, I think. As, yeah. You know, yeah. it has all that oil man shtick. You know, it's it's a very different kettle of fish to most of his stuff, which is here are some people in the San Fernando Valley. Are they happy or not? Who can tell? Are they in love? Maybe they are. <laughs> Here's here's some stuff in some shadows, and I'd say that I'd say that um, there will be blood is his best film. Yeah, um, it's the one I've enjoyed the most of his. I haven't watched everything he's done. Um, I haven't watched the the Phantom Thread, for instance. No, me neither. I know I know everyone says it's great, but I've I haven't seen the Boogie Nights, aka that one where Mark Wahlberg is supposedly very good. Yeah, no, I've not seen it either. Um, I've watched Inherent Vice, which was fine, but again, I'm never gonna. Never going to watch it again. I mean, that that one, um, I have to take my hat off to him for adapting a Thomas Pynchon book to the screen because... Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, fair play to him, but it's, yeah, it's it's fine for one watch, but I don't, I have no interest in ever watching it again. And I think that's the main feeling I have for him in general. Um, unlike Did you see Paul, The Master? I, I started The Master. I never finished it. Um, not out of not liking it, just because I was like, oh, I'm not really in the mood for this. But then I never got around to to, to watching it again. Um, I don't think you're missing much. I, I quite I quite enjoyed it, but as you say, it's like, oh, that's clever. I'm not going to see that again. Um, yeah, e- e- exactly. Whereas Paul W.S. Anderson, on the other hand, <laughs> the superior Paul Anderson, um, I have definitely rewatched um Event Horizon resident evil and probably mortal Kombat more than i've watched paul thomas anderson movies <laughs> entirely um and this is yeah this this is costing me all of my my film nerd cred here but 
there's something magical about Paul W.S. Anderson's terrible films. <laughs> um, He's a man who knows how to make a shit piece. Yeah, exactly. He and and every single one of his movies has a hint of shit piece about it. So, so <laughs> I've never seen Event Horizon, but I just clicked on the poster and it says Infinite Space, Infinite Terror. <laughs> exactly, and I <laughs> I love Event Horizon. It's great. It's a goofy fifties haunted house movie on a spaceship with like a drum and bass soundtrack it's so great um it's got lots of weird sort of hellraiser-esque horror but then also really stupid humor and terrible cgi event horizon genuinely a a a two to name another adam saddle movie it truly is an uncut gem um (laughs) do go and watch event horizon anyone who likes science fiction or horror movies who hasn't seen it give it a watch it's really good fun um but also you know he's got stuff like resident evil um soldier which is a great kurt russell shit piece um alien versus predator i have um, seen that which yep i've seen as well um (laughs) all of the resident evil movies that he did pompeii which we've talked about previously on this podcast i believe which is (laughs) what (laughs) happens if you take the film gladiator take the drama out of it put in an awkward romance and set off a volcano perfect yeah. movie um There's a lot of people running in that film people are so running in every running. scene everyone's running you know um, how and... whenever we talk about star wars like my dad always has to point out that the rebels are always running in the base every time there's anything <laughs> happening always... it's like They're busy. pompeii They're is like that but with a volcano yeah with a volcano and togas um and then also the the very strange three musketeers movie that he made as well oh, um yeah. which is a majestic shit piece that's a shit piece that akin to maybe not on par with jupiter ascending in terms of weirdness but it's pretty close oh my god luke evans um, is in it I haven't he seen is it. he is um i will watch any film with luke evans in it. speaking of luke evans did you see that they're doing a prequel spin-off series about his gaston and lefou no yeah that's the best news i've had all, all month <laughs> the only good things about that live action movie um are are him and lefou and yeah if if this is happening it is the little town um if if it does all happen okay then uh i might watch it you know i I have no interest in watching beauty and the beast again but i might watch the prequel series about gaston of course you will it's gaston and luke evans is 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 wonderful so yeah paul ws anderson love him paul thomas anderson respect him get out of my house yeah <laughs> we'll see <clears throat> um but he comes punch around, drunk you're gonna have a chat on the doorstep and not invite him in for tea aren't you? yeah yeah it'll be like mm, you know what it's nice to nice to see you mate but get the yeah. fuck out yeah sorry I've, I've just left i've left a pot boiling mate can we do this film another time <laughs> I've, got, I've got to go watch resident evil again soz mate yeah sorry um... <laughs> i can talk to you about fear and loathing in the san fernando valley another time just you know i'll have your people call my people and exactly exactly but punch drunk love don't get me wrong i appreciated it yeah there's elements of it i really liked i'm gonna say adam sandler is pretty good in the role in this i think he fits the film that's being shown pretty well um i know that a lot of people make out oh he's he's brilliant and then other people say no he's still adam sandler but i think actually i'm closer towards he's brilliant in this i think tonally he's a good fit and those two things are mutually exclusive there's no 
<laughs> no, those two things never, never the twain shall meet. No, no, exactly, exactly. Um, but but I think he he I think he matches the the film pretty well. Um, I think his performance is good as as this strange, you know, very um, frustrated, introspective character um, works well too. I think my main issues are it knows how clever it is and i always hate it when a movie does that yep um marriage I feel like story most of paul thomas anderson's work is is like that yeah yeah um marriage story is always the one that comes to mind when i think of films marriage which is falling are... apart. i cannot think of that film without thinking of you singing that and <laughs> thank you for bringing that into my so life. let's go and get a divorce um <laughs> yeah yeah marriage yeah, story marriage story it's it's adam driver and he shouts it's Adam Driver and he shouts. Yeah, exactly. But that's a that's a movie that really understands, oh, I'm going to be clever. And Punch Drunk Love has a similar kind of feel where it knows how smart it is. It knows how quirky it is. It doesn't have that same immersion that films like Eternal Sunshine has. Where yes, that's a, I did that's think a, of that as a point of comparison, actually. Yeah. Only after I'd watched it, I was like, well, yeah, Michel Gondry is someone who does... It was Michel Gondry, right? Yeah someone who yeah. does has kind of similar quirky auteur movies i mean that obviously he has a, a leans much more towards the surreal um than paul thomas anderson does but i thought of that as a point of comparison and i thought yeah i couldn't quite articulate in my own head what it was that made that so brilliant and that made this so sort of oh well that's nice but yeah yeah and and i think that's completely right is there they're time totally similar like you said there's not the same kind of um artistic absurdist flourish but there's little hints here and there at it which make it seem very dreamlike um or i guess almost nightmare like in other moments as well i think the scene where he's having a conversation with the fantastic emily watson um in his office but then his sister uh played by gail the snail <laughs> Um, that's her, her official title that's her official title gail the stale from it's always sunny in philadelphia um i've forgotten the actor's name mary mary lynn rice cub mary lynn um, she rice will cub. always be to me the woman who makes jermaine dress up as art garfunkel when they have sex in <laughs> yes, the yeah which is great um she, i i i'm struggling to think of an actor who has more iconic moments for such a short amount of screen time across movies and television than her. Yeah. Um she you always really, plays really memorable characters. She she always hits the mark. And like for me it's always Gail the Snail, but she's in loads of great stuff as well. You know, she's in um uh what's it called? Brooklyn Nine Nine as well. And she's really funny in that. Um and you know she's just she's just brilliant in general and it's great to see her in this. And I didn't realise she was in this. So yes, fantastic. Um but yeah there's this really anxiety inducing i felt quite anxious and panicky watching it where he's trying to have this conversation with emily watson's character but his sister keeps butting in and then there's the phone going off and there's a, a little crash outside with the um with the lorry and it's meant to make you feel anxious and it succeeds but for me it was just like fuck's sake i can't take this right now <laughs> yeah give me give me something more engaging outside of just distracting me with with too much going on while someone's banging a metal bin 
And yeah, and I suppose the the score made that all that stuff really, really sort of panic inducing, didn't it? And that was definitely the intent of it. But yeah, it doesn't mean it wasn't irritating. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I, you know, you could intend to really piss me off. Guess what? You succeeded. That doesn't mean I'm going to like it and respect your craft about it. No. Um, and, and and that's the kind of issue with this movie is I think it tries to get under the skin at times and then flip it back and be like, but really they're still in love and isn't it great? But you're still you're still stuck in that moment of them having got under your skin and and the movie having irritated you so you know you've got those moments where he flies out to hawaii and is like ah let's have a little conversation on your um over the phone about and then rob schneider appears as ula and (laughs) yeah where's the the crossover um but uh (laughs) but yeah it's um there's moments that work and are charming and interesting and you think yes i really want this movie to succeed but then there's other moments where you just roll your eyes and think get the fuck on with it yeah i think that's the problem with this most of the time you're thinking get on with it yes i get that he's phoning a sex chat line we don't need to have literally half an hour of him wandering around in his apartment being monotonous to the woman on the other end of the phone sex line for it to be effective when she then tries to extort money from him Yes, yeah, exactly. And and again, that kind of, it went, everything dawdles in this film. For a movie with so much movement and so much panic, nothing happens and it all dawdles a lot. Um, yeah, you know, the, the, the basic story, i.e. the people kind of extorting money from him, you could flip this on, on its head and make it quite a decent thriller, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You could... But it feels like the exact opposite of that, which I suppose in a way is an achievement. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's good. That's no. the problem, is it may have subverted your expectations and done things differently. But if I put my trousers on my head when I decide I'm going to dress myself and go outside, I'm still going to get arrested, even <laughs> if I've subverted expectations of what it means to dress myself in the morning. Yeah. Well, it depends if what you're wearing on your bottom half. Uh, I've got a shirt on, but the um, the neck hole is over my genitals, so mm. it doesn't do a lot, I'm afraid. Right, I see, yeah. Speaking from experience, the police don't like that. No, especially not the fashion police. <laughs> exactly. Disclaimer, I have never done this. I'm just trying to make an elaborate point about this movie being pretentious. Because it yeah. is, let's be honest, it's a pretentious film. Well, you've got your camera off. I can only hear your voice. You could be doing that right now. Yeah, maybe I am. Who knows? Maybe I'm subverting the expectations of using a camera. Oh, aren't I clever? That's the great um, thing about podcasts. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but it's, it, but there are moments that I really like. I think the performances are great, you know. Um, but there's just, it's too busy trying to be clever to be enjoyable. Yeah, for sure. I I totally agree. And yeah, just so many kind of really long scenes and scenes of him just wandering about and staring at stuff. And there's like, he witnesses a car crash at the beginning and then it's never mentioned. And like that kind of move is just poison to me, especially when it's some someone filmmaker who's supposed to be really good and clever. It's like, what was the point in that? Oh, it's to grab your attention. I assume there's some kind of metaphorical um, reason for it. Um. But there, and and there are some moments I like. I think the general plot is okay, like you said about someone meets someone, but they are sort of odd. 
um so they can't make that connection at the same time they call a sex line not necessarily to be a be pervy but to just try and talk to somebody um but then that backfires because they're then exploited by the people that run the sex line i think there's something interesting in that story wise one of Um, whom is philip seymour hoffman with long covid lockdown hair (laughs) yeah yeah covid (laughs) seymour hoffman um and and he's great in this he's just furious he shouts at people a lot um yeah he does good shouting in this. he does good shouting adam sandler also does good shouting i might add and good anger he punches a lot of stuff um but rather than it being necessarily funny it's more shocking and actually it's it's a weird feeling but i kind of feel like this movie and maybe i'm maybe i'm being too much of a soy boy beta cuck here but do you feel that this film romanticizes the enigmatic violent passionate man a little bit a little bit yeah i wouldn't say it's it's over but there's definitely some some of that in there but i did believe their romance and i did believe them sort of both being quite awkward socially inept people who were coming together and that they they both had a shared connection there i think i believed that did you yeah, I think there was something, there's this, there's a neat idea of these two outcasts finding one another and falling in love, which I really like. What I don't like is if I had a friend who said to me, oh, I met this guy last night, he smashed his brother-in-law's windows. Tonight, he beat the shit out of a bathroom because I brought up something embarrassing that happened in his past. Um, isn't he great? I would probably say no. File a restraining order. This guy's fucking terrifying. Yeah, at that point, that point in the film when he smashes up the bathroom, I I was like, mm, yeah, it's a bit. His behavior is a bit worrying. No, no, and, and, and there is there is that thread, and obviously it gets overridden by the fact that this movie is is it's kind of allegorical for the outcast romance in general, and you know so it's not as bad as it would be if this was a more realistic movie if it was trying to be set in real life um but it's still for me at least a little bit uncomfortable that it's 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 never even brought up as an issue you know it's more solidifying his character as this um as this enigmatic um passionate man Whereas, yeah, and that's because the film is too busy showing you showing you him being enigmatic and wearing his suit. That where they're all like, "Why is he wearing that suit?" It's just because he wants to wear a suit in his like weird warehouse where he works and sells novelty toilet plungers, which yeah, should he's... be very funny, but somehow in the context of the film isn't funny at all. <laughs> no, exactly. That's the thing. Um, there's lots of things that should be funny in this movie that aren't. Um, I wouldn't call it a i know it says that it's a comedy drama i wouldn't really call it a comedy there's not a lot in this movie that's funny not even in a wry smile kind of way which a lot of you know when when paul thomas anderson does humorous elements in his movies you do get that wry smile um but here i don't think it has that i don't see this as a comedy movie no not not at all i almost feel like it's saying here's something that could be funny but don't you dare laugh at it Here's a, here's, uh, here's someone who's bought a million pudding cups. Um, yeah, nothing funny about that. Nothing funny about yeah. pudding. No, exactly. And it should be. It should be funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's. Uh, I was disappointed. I'm not going to lie. I yeah, had, me too. I'd heard a lot of good things about it. And maybe that's my problem. I went into it expecting too much. But, you know, this is one of those movies that was critically 
um, critically successful. And the people who did watch it, which wasn't everyone, I don't think it did very well at the box office, did it? Um, no. But um, budget twenty five million, box office twenty four point seven million. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this movie um, cost more than double what Billy Madison cost to make, <laughs> even with the penguin. Even with the penguin. Um, but uh, it's, yeah, maybe I went into it expecting too much, but I was disappointed here in this. It was far too up itself um, to be enjoyable. Yeah, up itself is is the right word. I mean, I like, I do like the way it looks and I do like that kind of dreamlike quality that it has. And some of the shots, like all the ones you see on the posters or whatever, where a lot of it is just kind of in shadows and silhouettes and there's like the kind of, classic movie romantic music swelling i liked all of that stuff all of that stuff i like as sort of imagery and more for sort of aesthetic reasons than for pure story reasons right and i feel like that all that stuff is nice but paul thomas anderson sacrifices story in favor of all that stuff which is not to be like you know every story has to be a really good story and like be like stephen king but you know what i mean it's like sometimes just a little bit more story wouldn't go amiss in these kind of films yeah yeah i think that's completely right is i think i think part of the problem is that it doesn't land on any definitive factor you know it could go fully for the abstract story but it doesn't it could go down a character route and just let you bask in the characters and understanding them but it doesn't it could give you a plot but it doesn't it kind Mm. of doesn't define itself well enough to overcome it's self-inflicted eccentricities yeah and it's like it's silent at times when it wants you to think people are saying clever lines but they're just saying boring stuff and then when they're actually saying interesting stuff the score is so irritating that it's not sticking with you <laughs> yeah and, and and i say that you know um off the top of my head i i i couldn't remember any lines of dialogue in this movie um no which is which is never a good sign. Even in a movie which isn't isn't focused on having quotable lines, you still kind of think... There was one line I wrote down that I did really like, which was actually early on, when, around when he goes to the party and smashes the windows, he talks to like his brother-in-law, um, who's like a dentist or something, and he's like, I want you to find me a shrink. But then he says, you know, sometimes I don't like myself. And then he says, I don't know if there is anything wrong because I don't know how other people are. And I thought that was really, really insightful in terms of you know how we approach those kind of issues and how we have those kind of conversations with other people about ourselves and how we think um and that was kind of never followed up on properly in the film so i was a bit disappointed by that but that i thought was a really good line yeah no i i agree i agree that is very um very smart and i think you know from a mental health and mental ill health perspective which could have been an interesting factor to talk about in this movie but they don't um, it's just two quirky people and it never goes into why they're quirky at all. Um, but that could have been two an quirky interesting... quirky awkward outcasts. Yeah, and, and that could have been an interesting jumping off point, but it didn't. Um, and, and in comparison to other movies, um, what's the one with Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence? Silver Linings Playbook? Silver Linings Playbook, where, again, it's these two outcasts with a romance which is a bit strange and and pressured on he also does some shouting in that film and he also does some shouting 
Um, There's his like freakout scene where it's with to um, what is and what should never be by Led Zeppelin, and in the bits where the music goes quiet, he's quiet, and then in the loud bits, he smashes stuff up. That I think is a masterful scene. Yeah, and and we talked about that on the podcast previously, didn't we? We did. Um, yeah, it's 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 a film with its with its issues, certainly, and I don't think we should get away from the fact that David O. Russell is a fucking scumbag. Yeah. Um, but I think that does what Punch Drunk Love is doing more effectively. And I think that also has the, the same strange eccentricities and artistic flourishes, but it centers them around these characters that you're allowed to understand and get to know. Whereas with Punch Drunk Love, it's these two mythical people you know adam sandler's barry you're not meant to understand him he's supposed to be this mythological strange being almost that is walking into a a romance with another strange being Um, it's all dreams and shadows and silhouettes and stuff yeah and so i think that's where it really stumbles is you don't have to make your characters relatable but you need to be able to connect with them in some way and that might be through the art of it it might be through the dialogue it might be through the story it might be through just allowing people to to be around these characters long enough to get an understanding but what you can't do is just go hey look they picked up some random organ off the street yeah Isn't that weird uh, actually it's a harmonium. harmonium he's um he's carrying it for literally no reason yeah that's yeah, cool he, he picks up a harmonium. isn't that clever um which is um, not a chord organ, it's a pump organ, isn't it? They're yeah, different things. it's got something that you need to pump. Yeah. Um, so it's just a bit, eh, seen better. Sorry. Yeah. And I think you're right. Life. that I, I also went in with um, high expectations. And I think if I'd got into it a bit colder and actually not really been fully aware of the context, I might actually have appreciated it more. But, you know, you, you can't take that context back and that context is important, isn't it? Yeah, no, you can't. Um, you know, I didn't know anything about the plot, for instance. I don't try and find out about the plot of movies that I've not seen entirely. You know, just a synopsis, a, a very brief synopsis is fine. Um, but I all I knew about this was apparently he's good and apparently it's good. Um, and... And it's the one where people are like, hey, Adam Sandler's in it, but it's okay. He's not Adam Sandler. And I had to break it to you guys. He's still Adam Sandler. He's Yeah, he's just used effectively. Um, and I'd say he's good in this. I think I like him in this. Um, but it, there's not enough here. In spite of the very talented cast, I think the script and the, and the direction let it down. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, so Paul so, Thomas Anderson still on the fence. I know exactly what I think of Paul Thomas Anderson, and <laughs> yeah, I don't think you, anything I don't think anything he's going to make is going to change that. Um, I will continue to watch his movies and then never think about them again. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, but of course he does lots of stuff with Radiohead and Tom York. Yes, which does worry me. <laughs> which I I don't mind. I quite like that. Um, I did enjoy the anima thing he did with Tom York, actually. It was quite good. Anima. Um, anime. It, top, the, the Radiohead anime. Those are two words that should not be put together. <laughs> I'm not going to ask about that. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a, a, a weird short film based around Tom York's music. Um, the, I think it was a Netflix exclusive, actually. It's quite interesting. and He directed it. 
Um, so uh, yeah, there's 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 I I I like his stuff, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna turn down rewatching Resident Evil five <laughs> over over watching one of them again. Oh, um, no. So uh, right, uh, how are we gonna rate uh, this bad boy then? Let's see how many boxes of pudding do you need to buy in order to get the air miles that you need to really become that person you want to become or whatever and stuff yeah so i've got um i've got 10 boxes of fantasy puddings i think you know this movie's not bad um and it's got it's got some good stuff going on in it but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say that i'm ever gonna watch it again or probably never gonna think about it again to be honest yeah I'll go one higher just because I think I really did appreciate the dreamlike qualities of some of the romantic moments and the way the music was used there and the way it was shot and the way it looked in those moments I thought was really masterful. It just really didn't gel as a film overall and those kind of things. And, you know, Sandler's very good performance. Emily Watson's very good performance. They weren't enough to sort of elevate it into thinking this is a good and really entertaining and great film. But there's a lot to like about it, and I think you know if you're if you're interested, definitely give give it a whirl. I'd say, but yeah, just be aware that it might irritate you. <laughs> yeah, I I would definitely agree that you should watch it. You know, um, I'm aware that I'm an idiot. I like the Resident Evil movies. I shouldn't be trusted on my opinions about films ever. Um, but you're not as big an idiot as Billy Madison. <laughs> but I'm not as big an idiot as Billy Madison. So I would say, regardless of of our disappointment in it, give this a watch because you might get a lot more out of it than than I did. Um, so yeah, give it a watch. See what you think. Yeah. And if you really like Paul Thomas Anderson's other work and you haven't seen this, then I'm sure you'll love it. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Definitely. Um, right. So we're we're coming to the end of... of... We are. I can't something. believe Sand Loon's almost over. Feels it's like it only just year. begun. This time of year always goes too quickly. Um, yeah. So, what is our final movie then? Well, it was a, it was t- it was a tough choice, wasn't it? Trying to find a really really bad one to end the month on, but we are going to be watching Jack and Jill. <laughs> Excellent. I have not seen this. I movie. have not seen it. I have heard it's his worst. Um, which so, genuinely is a real achievement. Which is incredible. Um, so yeah, I've seen clips from it, um, but I'm very excited to see the full thing. Features Adam Sandler playing twins, who one is male, one is female, and also Al Pacino for some reason. Yep, Al so, Pacino's in it. It gets a yeah. score of 3.3 out of 10 on IMDb, so you know it's good. Yeah, <laughs> so that's going to happen. Um, but yeah, thanks a lot for tuning in and for enjoying this double bill. We hope you're enjoying Sandloon so far. Um, and you know if you haven't seen either of the films there's some stuff in there to recommend them or not so you know you've got to make wise choices during Sandloon haven't you you've got to pick your Sandlers wisely yeah pick your battles when it comes to Adam Sandler movies yeah you can't, you can't win with everyone you've got to be tactical no you can't because a lot of them do have Rob Schneider in as well but not all <laughs> of them as we found out not today. all of them no no I can't believe there's only one movie we've watched with him in yeah, it's all right. We'll, we'll rectify that soon. Uh, but uh, <laughs> in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. Emails Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail.com. There's a link in our show notes to where you can give us money, like a tip jar. And we will be back next week to talk about Jack and Jill. Alrighty. Bye bye. Bye.
Our marriage is falling apart. Our marriage is falling apart. I hate you and you hate me, so let's go and get a divorce. <laughs>